0: This is Dan Wotton Uncancelled. Let's go. Now, my next guest was one of ITV's most controversial stars for over a decade as one of reality TV's original Mr Nasties. Hitting our screens with a bang in 2006 with the launch of Dancing on Ice, Australian choreographer and theatre producer Jason Gardner was the judge everyone wanted to hear from. Let's look at him serving up some of his iconic one-liners.
1: From the waist up, you're Travolta. From the waist down, it's revolting. It's Olympically bad. Well Beth, this was a great opportunity for you to show us your fun side, and unfortunately it appears as though you don't have one. Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> the beginning had all the sensuality of a walrus on eyes. If your opinion was still so important, you'd I would be on the, on the panel.
2: <laughs>
0: But as part of ITV's woke takeover, Jason was forced to quit the show in 2019 after a series of poisonous behind-the-scenes rows, including what he calls a traumatic feud with celeb contestant Gemma Collins. Jason was doing what ITV bosses paid him to do, judge, but after The Only Way is Essex, Star accused him of bullying her. He faced an onslaught of vile online abuse. And the hypocritical be kind loveies piled on and ITV bosses stood by and let it happen, putting Jason in a position where his only option was to leave the show he helped to make a hit. Well, after falling victim to the cancel mob, the pandemic struck and everything changed. Struggling with his mental health during lockdown, the TV favourite made the huge decision to cast off the toxic world of showbiz and go off-grid, setting up home in a tent in Portugal and working as an eco-farmer. And I'm delighted to say he joins me now. Jason Gardner, wow, your life has completely changed. And what I find fascinating is that you say it's actually for the better, even though you're completely out of showbiz. I tell you, Dan, I mean, with
1: everything that you said rather, you know, dramatically about what happened. Of course. uh, What else would you expect? I (laughs) I mean, I love it. So sort of sensational. It's fabulous. I've missed that. Um, But the the reality is, mate, I I made decisions based on, you're quite right, my mental health. And at the time um, we were going through the first lockdown. And if it wasn't for an amazing neighbour of mine, Jennifer, who who introduced me to her allotment in Barnes, that's when my life changed because I, I started to feel, Grounded when I was feeling that I was on you know on quicksand and I was um, sinking very fast. You know, you've got to remember I've been working since I was sixteen professionally and I'd never not worked. So to be in a situation where I was unable to work, I was unable to keep my company going. I was unable to do all the things that I I believed I was born to do. It was great to then find something else that gave me a real insight into what was missing in my life and a lot of that came down to my connection to neighbor uh, to nature and i know Mm -hmm. you being a kiwi we it's around us you know and i'd forgotten you know i've lived in big metropolises most of my life because that's where the entertainment industry sort of thrives but actually it's going back to the basics where i found my true contentment because there isn't that pressure No, And and it's absolutely
0: fascinating, the the journey that you took in in lockdown. And, of course, uh, you've got some very strong words about the government and and the health elite as well. And I do want to come to that in one second. But can we just first go back to that departure from, from ITV? Because, of course, you were one of a number of people, Jason, who were essentially kicked to the curb as this broadcaster went woke essentially, and embraced this woke ideology. And now, Jason, I mean, you're not here and you're away from it, but it's fascinating. The judges on their new talent shows, which, by the way, are rating uh, about 1 of what you used to get on Dancing on Ice at its peak, say, really. actually, the judges on talent shows, they have to be nice. Jason, they have to be nice. It would be completely wrong for a judge on a talent show to say anything critical. And I just thought that summed up Uh, the be kind mentality from ITV on screen, but actually off screen, if you don't fit their agenda, they treat you like a piece of dirt, don't they? Well,
1: look, there is no loyalty in the entertainment industry, you know, especially in television. And I learned that, you know, several times, you know, I haven't been removed off that show and brought back, you know, only once, you know, this was this was the second time where I this has happened. And, you know, you would like to think that people learn from their mistakes, but I don't think ITV does. I think they, you know, like most things, I mean, I think terrestrial television is, is, is in a very precarious place at the moment. It doesn't really know what its future looks like like and it must be very difficult for the people that are in charge that aren't sort of keeping up with the Joneses if you know what I'm talking about in terms of where people are actually watching and getting their content from and it's certainly not a lot on terrestrial tv and certainly not these programs which i think probably supports why there's those waning figures i think there's a waning interest in that you know it it was great it had its time but i think you know if you're not going to serve up Uh, authenticity on these shows, a little bit of it. You know, you don't need everybody authentic on that because, you know, not everybody can carry it. But I think these shows do rely on somebody kind of keeping it real. And it's interesting when they sort of try and uh, sugarcoat it or dumb it down, um, people lose interest. So that says more about, you know, what people really want rather than what these uh, executives think people want, which is sometimes completely out of step with, the public
0: sentiment. Indeed. And what I guess it gave you, Jason, though, was the ability to be free and to also speak freely. So as the pandemic hit, you would have seen your former colleagues at ITV swallow the government line, hook, line and sinker, swallow the Mm Ofcom line, hook, line and sinker, don't criticise lockdowns, don't question the vaccine rollout. But all of a Mm -hmm. sudden... You had your voice on these issues and you started this new life in Portugal, uh, where, as you say, you you were completely self-sufficient and close to that, which I find fascinating for someone who had obviously lived such a showbiz lifestyle. But you were prepared to speak out against what you considered a mainstream media narrative.
1: Yeah. And I think, look, just to support people in my industry, because I think for a moment, you know, people are forgetting that just because people have a public platform, they don't have to use it in order to be a role model. And they certainly don't have to use it to make political statements. Right. And when they do, even if you are quoting people that are very credible, that are epidemiologists or vivologists that have, reputations, Nobel Peace Prize winners, all that kind of stuff. You are shot down as the messenger of that narrative if it doesn't stick with the MSM. And so celebrities become very big targets and you need to have a very thick skin. Now, I've got probably rhinoceros thick skin after what <laughs> You've I've developed
0: that over the years. I've
1: developed it. You know, I don't. And and you're right. Right now, I am in such a more liberated place. I'm, I'm not. It doesn't depend on whether or not I stay with ITV, a family viewing show based on what I say, how many followers I have, it's exhausting. People don't understand the pressure that is on a lot of people to really, you know, play into the brand. You know, it's all about protecting brands and that's fine. But at the end of the day, there comes a decision that you have you have to take. Do I protect a brand that isn't loyal to me or do I protect my mental health?
0: And so you decided I'm going to speak out.
1: I decided that, you know, on, on things that matter to me, and look, I, I'm sure you're privy to this. I get messaged a lot by people that are reaching out who are really struggling, who are really suffering because of mandates, regulations, but also things that were imposed upon people, people that stepped up and did the right thing, who have been injured, who have lost loved ones, who are now living with chronic medical health conditions, but nobody's allowed to give them a voice they're being silenced within the medical profession. It's like it's it. I, I can't understand it. it. We understand it's a trial, but we should be more transparent about what is happening. And as because it's a trial, we're not saying they got everything wrong. But we have to acknowledge that these there are people that are injured and they are sustaining you know some horrific life changing um, conditions like myocarditis, pericarditis. These aren't mild people. Do you know what I mean? These are this this changes your life for the rest of your life. And I think it's 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 doing them a disservice and disrespectful that these people did the right thing and people are not giving them a platform and a voice to say we exist.
0: No, I completely understand that. And that's one of the reasons why I hosted uh, Christopher Chope recently, who is really the only MP in all of the UK who is actually demanding An inquiry into vaccine damage. So, what you're saying, yeah, of course they did. That was completely revolting. But, but so what you're saying, Jason, is there should just be a free debate? You want to put it all on the table. You want people to be able to say what happened to them. Whereas if you look at the mainstream broadcasters, the BBC, ITV, Sky News, they don't do that.
1: But isn't this how science advances through Mm -hmm. debate, through looking at implement things that were implemented? Because what we knew back then to what we know now is completely different. So applying the science has to change with what we know. But if we are suppressing information like the amount of people that are actually um, being affected and because, you know, the nine page adverse side uh, effects that were released after the rollout because a Texan judge ruled it that Pfizer had to release that. It's nine pages long. You know, this is not a a short read. There's nine pages worth of very serious effects, but nobody's allowed to sort of talk about it or linking it. And it's very interesting on on the footy program in Australia, which is massive, you know, the Sunday footy program, they started talking about for the first time on the panel, which is groundbreaking for that TV show, to do this. But they waged in on it and said, what is going on with our players and why are they falling like flies? Yeah,
0: I saw that. I saw that. It was a fascinating That's powerful. No, it is. And look, I'm happy it's difficult to do, believe me, in this country, but I think it's really important that here on GB News, we have the discussion and we hear from both sides and we hear from people who've been personally affected. But Jason, it's so lovely to speak to you because it's great to be, I think, for you to have your voice back and to be talking about these important issues And I know, obviously, lots of people love hearing it on your social media. So congratulations, Jason. Thank you you so so
1: much, Dan. Dan And I applaud you for giving this platform to people. Thank you.
0: Thank you. That was the former Dancing on Ice judge, Jason Gardner. Neil Oliver is tonight's Outsider First. Now, back in February, we launched the lockdown inquiry here on this show so that there would be a proper investigation after millions of ordinary people's lives were destroyed by the draconian government measures. And last week on BBC Question Time, one intelligent audience member made the mistake of trying to provoke the same discussion on the mainstream media. He was despicably heckled in response. Look out in particular for the two haughty women in the row behind, Cat, clean away to themselves. I think what it shows, that by Boris Johnson breaking the rules, was that they were absurd in the first place and that we should we never have rules. gone into lockdown. We and so that was the, it was we the biggest rules. mistake, I think, that the government has made because we now have a mental health crisis, we now have children who have to catch up on their lost learning and we have uh, NHS backlogs of over six million people and, and we have cancer patients who can't get seen, who died during lockdown. No-one talks about that. Why are we not talking about the collateral damage two years of lockdowns which have destroyed the economy and which have caused a cost of living crisis that's happened today. Now, I actually personally feel sorry for those women because they've been so brainwashed by the mainstream media that they're actually laughing at sound and reasoned arguments about the collateral damages of lockdown. It's been shows like Question Time which brought this man on, I suspect, knowing exactly the treatment he would get, despite being the lone voice of COVID reason in the room, that have conditioned its audiences to treat debate and nuance with contempt, dismissed anti-lockdown voices as crackpots, pushed the government to adopt harder and longer COVID restrictions, only to move as soon as a juicier story emerged without a care as to the lingering effects of their scaremongering. Well, Neil Oliver, what do you make of it all?
2: I, I would say first of all that I thought that uh, young chap on Question Time was incredibly brave. Yeah. I mean, whatever the circumstances were of him appearing on that in that audience, he was extremely uh, strong-willed to come out and say what he said. And you know, I would I would have given him a, a rousing <laughs> round of applause had I had I been able to, to do so. And yes, as you said, the the reaction from well the audience members that you could see. It was, it was quite bizarre and, and very disheartening. But I think, yes, it, it was just a, a demonstration of the fact that one, I suppose, once people become, as it were, complicit in something as big as the consequences of lockdown, it would be very, very difficult for, for many people to admit to themselves that they were duped You know, they do say that it's easier Mm -hmm. to fool someone than to persuade someone that they have, in fact, been fooled. It's Mm -hmm. very very difficult to to move back, to roll back. Once you've gone gone so far in accepting something, it's very difficult to roll back on it. And I suppose it's understandable that people want to hang on to the belief that they were right to do what they did because they were told to do it, after all, by people and by media organisations that they had hitherto trusted. And you're right also that it seemed sometimes that the, some of the media was pushing for something much more draconian even than the, the government and the scientists at times as though the tail was wagging the dog. I mean, we can all remember not so very long ago, very familiar faces in the mainstream media, you know, demanding that, that people suck it up. And and insisting that it was just one Christmas, and that if you couldn't go and visit your loved ones, too bad. It just had to be put up with, which was an even stronger line sometimes than was being pushed by the, you know, by, by the government itself, uh, because because sections of the media seemed to pick up on the momentum and drive it even faster than it was going anyway. And, and we all know as well that there were nudge units in place, you know, the, so, the so-called behavioural insights uh, units yes. uh, that, that were using psychologists. They were very well funded. They had limitless access to the media to, to push the mass of the population in the direction that was desired by, you know, by some of the scientists, by government departments. That was The, the message coming out was so constant, so incessant and insistent that, it, you know, it took strong will to resist it. Uh, and so, yes, you know, people have been successfully brainwashed. And I think we see that the Professor Carl Socora, they're talking about the continuation of what we describe as COVID theatre, continuing to wear the masks. You know, you still see people driving their cars with masks on, walking in the countryside with masks on. Mm. The, the brainwashing is 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 plain to see. And uh, the, the media absolutely were more than complicit in driving it. Well, indeed, Carol. And I think that's what was so shocking to
0: me to see those two women cackling in the way that they did. I do feel deep sympathy for them because the fact that you would actually laugh at someone uh, talking about the collateral damage of lockdown, when we literally see the collateral
2: damage of lockdown spiking uh, up the, the, the news it?
0: every single day, it's extraordinary. Everyone's admitting
2: it now. Every, everyone's admitting it now. You, 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 there, are, there, are, uh, there are reports coming in from from uh, from uh, from this, the the most trusted authorities, saying that you know that you know children have been severely impacted. Uh, development has been compromised, education has been compromised, mental physical health, financial consequences of lockdown. Even I have have spoken. Uh, off the record, to very senior uh, government uh, figures who have conceded that it was that this will go down as one of the greatest public policy mistakes, you, you know, in in a lifetime. You know, I've, I have had that said to me by you know by by very senior figures, and yet still out in the in the general population, there's this determination to hold on to the idea that that lockdown was right.
0: Indeed, Neil, indeed, and it wasn't right and we know that, but I think people should at least be able to question the narrative and the fact that that isn't happening on shows like Question Time even now, it's astonishing to me. Uh
2: I, th- I think I think what it's important to to think about is the is the the necessity for other channels and and I, I count GB News in that, but in the in the world of new media, there's there's limitless potential really for uh, other m- means by which information can go out there. What we need are new apps, new channels, new platforms, as many as possible to create new arenas where people can come together and and exchange. Uh, points of view that are that are away from the mainstream and the potential is there for for open source decentralized uh, means of circulating content probably perhaps using blockchain distributed ledger technology such as protects the cryptocurrencies from being from being you know interfered with hat centralized there there has to we have to take advantage of creating new means by which information can be shared because if the if the legacy media and the traditional means of sharing information have been sort of colonised by an, an a calcified, ossifying group that brooks no dissent, that they're just trotting out an orthodoxy, a, a one-track-minded version of events, then it's beholden upon the rest of us to seek out other ways of, mm. of speaking to one another and, and sharing ideas. And, and the technology is there to let that happen. Fascinating stuff. Neil Oliver, thank you so
0: much. Neil, we'll speak next week. Thanks, Dan. And it's time now for Uncancelled. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, preparations are ramping up for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations in a month's time, but the momentous occasion has been marked by a diversity-higher controversy. It's been revealed that 22-year-old Singaporean dancer Janice Ho will portray Her Majesty in a pageant in a bold move that's intended to show how the head of the Commonwealth is a global icon. Her selection was a result of so-called Bridgerton Casting, according to the arts group that created the act. That term refers to the diverse selection of actors in the Raunchy Netflix period drama, which pride itself on colour-conscious casting and includes a black Queen of England. The move follows Channel 5's historically inaccurate decision to cast black actress Jodie Turner Smith as King Henry VI's second wife Anne Boleyn last year, garnering a furious response from viewers. Well, Constantine Kisson, host of the Trigonometry Podcast, joins me now. Constantine, great to have you. Uh, Would you say this diversity hire is a nonsensical PC fantasy or can you understand why they're doing it?
3: No, I think it's brilliant, and I can't wait until Peter Dinklage gets cast as Nelson Mandela. Uh, Look, this is (laughs) a complete nonsense. And of course, uh, you know what's going on here, Dan, don't you? The great uh, American philosopher Eric Hoffer said that every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket. And of course, the movement that we're talking about here is this idea of diversity, which started out very legitimately as making sure that people like you and people like me were not being discriminated against, particularly on broadcasting and television and theatre and so on, for the colour of their skin, where they come from, their sexuality and so on. But then, of course, it became a business. And now I'm afraid we're very much in racket territory where this is being used to do these ridiculous things that I don't think benefit anyone, really.
0: No, I know, because the thing is, Constantine, it's not fair, is it? Because... You would never have a white actor playing Obama if someone dared do that. They they would be cancelled immediately.
3: Yeah. And look, I think we've got plenty of movies and parts for people to play wherever they come from. But we're talking about the queen. We know what the queen looks like. We Mm. know where she comes from. Uh, I'm sorry that that excludes certain people. Also excludes me from playing the queen. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, So I think we've just got to just get back to some common sense here, don't we?
0: Well, I think we do. I think we do. I'm not a fan of colourblind casting because for me, it takes away the accuracy, the historical accuracy of period pieces. And personally, I want things to be as historically accurate as possible rather than living in a bit of a fantasy world that things from the past were all
2: equal.
3: Well, quite, and I think it's it's got to be confusing for younger people and children. Think looking back at these historical things, thinking that you know that doesn't actually do justice to the history of this country. And by the way, if you want to talk about accurately covering the discrimination of the past, slavery, and so on, it's very difficult to do that if if you, we get this impression that people four hundred years ago or whatever were all uh, mixed race and uh, transgender. I don't think that's really going to uh, going to convey the right picture, is it?
0: No, it's not. But the fact that it's even gone to the Queen's Jubilee, I think, shows Constantine that this is something we're going to have to put up with a hell of a lot more, whether we like it or not.
3: Well, I don't think so, Dan. I think what will happen, actually, is most people will see how ridiculous this is, and actually there'll probably be a backlash, which I do think is probably not a good thing. And this is my point, is by pushing this so far, you're actually going to alienate a lot of people who otherwise would be quite happy for uh, more diversity, for people to be included. But when you make it so ridiculous, I think what you will actually see is people reacting very strongly against it. So I don't think we will be putting up with this for much longer, if I'm honest with you.
0: No, and by the way, this is nothing against the young dancer Janice Ho, is it? Who I'm sure is absolutely brilliant, but she could have a different role. I think for me, Constantine, it's just the hypocrisy. It's not colorblind casting because you know it only applies one way, and that's the issue that I have.
3: Right, and I think, again, this is the, the point that we're going to get to, where people start going, well, what about white people? What about straight people? What about men? And, and then we're all judging each other by the colours of our skins and our sexualities and our sex. I don't think that's what Martin Luther King wanted for us, is it?
0: No, It was the opposite of what he wanted. It was the opposite of what John Lennon wanted. And hilariously now, Constantine, if you follow the playbook of Martin Luther King and John Lennon, and that's how I grew up, genuinely believing that we should live in a colourblind world where it didn't matter what anyone's colour was, you're accused of being racist. That's where we've got to.
3: Quite. And of course, the point I made right at the top about this being a business, we've got to a point where it became a business. We saw, of course, that a couple of years ago uh, with the unconscious bias training, completely scientifically discredited. It doesn't work, actually probably makes people angry and a little bit more racist, right? Uh, but it was pushed because there are people who now make tens of thousands of pounds from going around selling this garbage uh, to people. And you're going to start to see this in every industry where uh, if you tick the boxes, you're going to get paid. And if you don't, you don't. And as I say, I think it will create a lot of unnecessary resentment, which will actually act counter to to the original idea of including people and making sure people aren't being discriminated against. I'm all for making sure people aren't discriminated against. But as you say, it has to
0: be all around. Indeed, Konstantin Kis and host of the Trigonometry podcast. So great to talk to you. Dan Button here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncanceled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more news-making interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Button tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.